Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you would like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. As we finish our Disciples series this week, and we look back on all the different followers of Jesus that he personally interacted with and answered their questions, Maybe it's dawned on you that this really has been a discussion on what it means to be a disciple. And even more personally, what your life of discipleship looks like. For us to follow Jesus, it's not something that we can earn or achieve. It's something that he gives to us by his grace. Because the reality is this, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to know what his identity is too. The beauty of the Christian identity is that it's completely and entirely tied into who Jesus is. And so as we finish this series, looking at the spokesman of the disciples, Peter, we're going to realize something that really we've been realizing all along. To be a disciple of Jesus, it can only happen if we truly know who Jesus is. Because through his identity, we're given the greatest identity this world has ever known. I can't wait to dive into this with you as we look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. For whatever reason, when I played sports growing up, I often had a play it safe mentality. I would be nervous before games, nervous about making a mistake, nervous about letting my teammates down, nervous about so many details. And this affected me especially when I was the goalie on our high school soccer team. I was terrified to dive all out to stop a shot. I'm thinking, what if I hit the sidebar? What if I hit another player? What if I get a concussion? Well, finally, about a quarter into the season, my coach took me aside one practice and said, you're the last line of defense but attack is the first thing on your mind. That's one of those classic Mr. Miyagi type coaching nuggets of wisdom. But there's a lot of truth to it. In soccer, if you try to pack it in and just stay on the defensive, you automatically give the advantage to your opponent. And this is especially true, not just in soccer terms, but in spiritual terms. Is attack the first thing on our minds as Christians? Do we see church as more of a refuge designed for an escape or a refuge designed to be a training ground for battle? The disciple Peter often looked at Jesus as the Messiah who would give him everything he needed to avoid battle and struggle. But Jesus has always been a far different and far better God than the world wants him to be. And this is where the last God question of our disciple series comes into play. Are you playing it safe with Jesus? It's pretty easy to do. A couple years back, I had the privilege of having a conversation with a practicing Hasidic Jew on a plane ride. We were talking about our face, and when we got to the topic of Jesus, the one positive thing he said about Jesus 
was that he was a good moral teacher. He's not alone in that assessment. A recent study found that 52% of American adults today view Jesus as a great moral teacher and nothing more. Most people agree that his words about, self, about selfless love are good, and many will comment, well, that's great that Jesus is beneficial, here we go, for you. Almost like Jesus is just a good life coach or a therapist. Jesus is taught about as simply a good guy who lived forever ago, but his relevance for the future is dead and active and effective beyond a couple of good philosophical teachings. And I'll be the first to say that I have struggled many times to cross the conversation threshold to talk about who Jesus has always claimed to be. And we know it can be offensive. And because of that, it's all too easy to play it safe, talk about the positive things our culture has to say about Jesus, and avoid talking about who Jesus has always been. Now, this safe approach isn't novel to us. It was happening at the disciple Peter's time when Jesus was walking among us. When people heard Jesus speak, and they knew exactly who he was claiming to be, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Son of God, but that would be controversial to believe in. Now Jesus, he knew this was going on, and so he asked his disciples to identify the influences around them. He asked them, who do people say that I am? Here come the safe answers. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. People knew Jesus was different. They knew he was a good teacher, but that's where it often stopped. So then Jesus takes the conversation from safe to confrontational. He turns his entire focus on his disciples, the very direct question. But what about you? Who do you say I am? He asks all of them as they have this private one-on-twelve conversation, do you buy what people are saying about me? Or do you really know me? Of course, Peter, as the typical spokesman for all the disciples, gives a beautiful reply. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, Jesus, you are the one who has promised to come. You are the living God, not a God dead in action, but one who is always on the move, bringing life to all. And we would all, right, stand there with Peter, who is surrounded by his friends, who believe the very same thing. But as you may know later on, when Peter faced similar questions about who Jesus was, and how he was connected to Jesus, he would deny him three times. When he went out there, outside the refuge of his Christian friends, saying who Jesus was became a whole lot more dangerous. I find that same tendency in my own heart. Because the sin that lives in me desires that I hide Jesus away, play it safe, and stay on the defensive. Sin that lives in you does the same. It's so easy to rejoice and praise God, maybe as you're driving to work right now or listening to this in your home and just reflecting how, on how great God is, but then everything changes when we go into our personal out there's. I've noticed often in my own life that so often I see my faith as my personal security blanket only to show in select situations. It's kind of like when I used to have a toy panda bear named B that I secretly would hug at night up until I was eight or nine years old, but I would have never told my friends I did that. I didn't want to be seen as a wimp or weak or childish. And I find in myself more often than not feeling a similar wimpiness when it comes to living my life of discipleship. You too? 
In this world driven and overrun with death, I hide the Son of the living God. Being a disciple of Jesus doesn't happen in a vacuum. We are part of his church, his called out ones. Peter knew this personally. Look at what he says in 2 Peter. He writes, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not, that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. With the effects of death all around us every second, every day, we sin in our inaction to fight the good fight. We try to play our Christianity safe. When in reality, you and I were called out of spiritual death and darkness for something far more than safe. You were called out by the dangerous and amazing grace of God. It makes me think of one of my favorite parts of the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Susan asked Mr. Beaver about the lion Aslan, who symbolizes Jesus in the book, she asked him, is he quite safe? I love this. And Mr. Beaver says, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Jesus is dangerous in his love. He is dangerous as he goes on the attack to rescue humanity. He is so dangerously good that even death itself runs away in fear. To drive that point home with his disciples then, and with you and me, his disciples today, Jesus chose to talk about the dangerous God he is at a place called Caesarea Philippi, a region that glorified Caesar and reflected how many people wanted Jesus to be, to be this great political emperor. But within that region, there was a cave called the Grotto of Pan. And it's extremely likely that Jesus had this private conversation right in front of this cave. Now, Pan, he was this supposed fertility god. And many in the area believe that the cave and spring water at Caesarea Philippi created a gate to the underworld. And so the place where Jesus and his disciples were standing was one of the most repulsive and terrifying places for a Jew to be. They knew the horrific worship practices that happened in that place. They didn't want to be there. It didn't feel safe. They felt on the defensive as they stood before the so-called gates of death. Well, right after Peter's spot-on confession of faith, even if he and the disciples didn't fully grasp what they believed in yet, Jesus says two extremely interesting things in front of the gates of death. The Grotto of Pan. Number one, this knowledge of who Jesus is was not something a person could have come up with or could have discovered on their own. Look at what he says. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. How could they know who Jesus is by our Father in heaven telling his children the greatest news ever, the gospel? And when he reveals who Jesus is, he reveals who we truly are in him. We simply cannot remain the same when we know and trust in Jesus. And secondly, Jesus identifies as only he can. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter. Jesus reminds Peter, this is who you are. A man with a faith firmly built on the foundation of Jesus himself. Don't listen to what anyone else tells you, Jesus is saying to Peter. I define you. I name you. You are in my family. And so are you, dear Christian. Your father has given you a name too. A name you didn't come up with yourself, the one given to you by the one who knit you together. Who you are is built upon Christ, the solid rock that will never fall away or fall apart. Its integrity is solid. No matter where you go, what you've been through or are going through right now or what's to come, 
nothing can overcome you because nothing can overcome him. When you know how Jesus is on the, on the offensive, how he is victorious, how he has overcome, you know by definition that means you have to. You're safe to be dangerous as you live your faith because the power of death has no hold on you. Remember what your Savior Jesus said? On this rock, and he's talking about himself, this beautiful confession of faith Peter had built on the rock that is Christ. On that rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. As the disciples are standing before the so-called gates of death, Jesus declares boldly and truthfully, not even death stands a chance against his people. So you and I don't need to hide, to hold up our faith in church, or to suppress who we are in Jesus, just like Jesus is offensively dangerous in his love. So too are the soldiers who follow him. Pastor Mark Batterson in his book, All In, sums this up powerfully. He writes, Jesus didn't die to make us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness isn't holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell with the light and love of Jesus Christ. You know, I hear so many well-meaning Christians who talk about how awful the world is for our kids to grow up, grow up in, how awful our country is now compared to years ago, how tough it is to be a Christian today. But do we realize who's fighting for us? Do we realize that we have Jesus, the God who walked down the main street of hell in victory and Satan couldn't do a thing about it? God has placed you and our children in this moment, first and foremost, to show you his love that will never let you down, a death or a love that death fears, and secondly, because he is he intends to use his people, young and old, to show his victory to the world. No matter where the Lord has you right now in your life, remember the rock Jesus who motivates you, who emboldens you to live fearlessly and joyfully. Martin Luther once said, I have before me God's word, which cannot fail, nor can the gates of hell prevail against it. Thereby will I remain, though the whole world be against me. God's grace has put you on the offensive. You are dangerous in the devil's eyes. He fears you because he knows on whom you stand and the Lord whom you follow. As you and I march on breaking down the gates of death each and every day by means of God's grace alone, Jesus has given you his weapon of choice. This might surprise you. You know what the weapon is? It's a key. So here's the picture. God is the mobile refuge that surrounds you in every time and place, and he's given you a key to fight with. It's like a dad giving the keys to the house to his child. God has given us, his children, these keys of heaven. And God gives you the keys of heaven for two reasons. The first one, one that we love doing, right? To tell someone who thinks their sin has locked them away from God about a freedom. But the gates of death can't do anything to stop. That's the loosing key, the Bible calls it. But a key locks too, right? So when do we use a key that way? When we see someone within that enemy territory of death, we acknowledge, and this takes courage that only God can give, we acknowledge where they've put themselves. On a path in a refuge that isn't at all what God's refuge is, and all the while we tell them of a freedom that only Jesus can bring that's always greater. Calling out their sin is not being harsh or unloving. You know what it really is? It is pounding down the gates of death 
with God's grace. Because being a disciple of Jesus is more than just stability. It's victory. Now, if you're a parent listening to this right now, who feels like life, if you could just have a stable life, that would be the greatest thing ever. God has something so much better for you than just stability. Do you realize that you're setting dynamite to the gates of death when you empathetically discipline your children, lovingly calling out their sin and forgiving them? You're making a lifelong impact. You are breaking down the gates of Haiti with one incredible word at a time. If you're single listening to this, do you see how living securely in the identity Jesus himself has given you opens you up to a life that's total joy instead of obsessively trying to achieve? When all of us stare down our calendars going into the week, changes and unexpected events, they're not so life-altering. Because we know Jesus is already there. We have Savior stability. You're not called out of darkness as his disciple for merely for a merely safe and struggleless life. You are called out of darkness to know victory, to know joy, to know Jesus, and boldly follow him into situations you never thought you'd be in. See, being a disciple isn't safe, it's dangerous. It's offensive, but we love it because that's who Jesus is, the Son of the living God. We don't need to look for security or stability from the world. We know we have guaranteed security and stability with Jesus. Because of that fact, it leads us to make jumps, to have conversations. Yes, even to stare hurricanes and death in the face and know we've overcome. And why can we know that with certainty? Well, as one song puts it, Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed. Jesus has risen above and he's lifting you up too. Amen. I so appreciate you choosing to take the time to listen to this podcast. It's a gift and a privilege that I, I don't deserve. And so just thank you for supporting this with your prayers. Thank you for your, your prayers for me and my family and our church, Divine Savior. It's a joy to be a disciple alongside you, and I pray that the Lord continue to motivate us with His dangerous grace that makes us live free, knowing who we are because we know who He is. God's richest blessings do live for Him this week and always. Mm-hmm.